Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, those were some beautiful words that we could sing. The victory remained with life. The reign of death was ended. And today I preach to you the wonderful news that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. From Mark 16 verses 1 to 8. And everyone who believes in Jesus Christ can know that their sins are paid for and forgiven. And they cannot be used to condemn you ever again. God's punishment against sin has been poured out on his son, Jesus Christ, when he was crucified. And so we do not need to pay for them again with our own lives. Jesus of Nazareth bore the anger of God in our place as our substitute. And since he was innocent, he could pay it fully. And so when we talk about our sins, when we talk about our struggles, we don't need to talk about something that has defeated us. But we can talk about it as something that has been defeated. That's why we keep singing, Alleluia, Alleluia. The joyful message of the resurrection is that death could not hold our Lord Jesus Christ. His payment was received, and in him we have life. Today we may celebrate the failed mission of the women who entered into the mouth of death's realm to anoint a dead Messiah as if he had been conquered by the evil one. They failed to anoint him because he was not there. And he was not there because he was the one who had defeated. He was the one who had victory over death and sin and Satan. And on this Easter morning, I can preach to you the wonderful gospel that the women wasted their money on the aromatic spices they had purchased because the women couldn't anoint Jesus' body because he had risen from the dead. We'll see that they came in pity, they heard the good news, and they fled in fear. The women who had witnessed Jesus Christ die on the cross, we heard about on Good Friday, they also had seen where he had been buried. They could have known that the work that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had been doing just before the Sabbath begun, that work had been interrupted by the Sabbath day's rest. And Mark lets us know that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and Josie's, we were reading about that in Mark 15, verse 40 and 41, and also uh, Salome, they had been ministering to Jesus when he was in Galilee. They were paying for it out of their own means. They were friends of our Lord Jesus. They were friends of his ministry. And it's not surprising that it is that they, it's not surprising that they were eager to show their love and their dedication to Jesus after he had been crucified and buried by anointing his corpse with aromatic spices. When we come face to face with the death of our loved ones, especially those who are very young, 
There is a grieving process. And like the women in our text, we need to find what is called closure. And the women decided to go to the tomb to anoint him. It was the least they could do for him. And then we read in Mark 16, verses 1 to 8, how the Holy Spirit gives a careful and detailed account of all that they had seen. He gives us specific names and details so we can be sure that everything they, that, that, that we could be sure that we read everything that really happened. Assuming they were still alive, the first readers could have gone, they could have found these women, could have found Mary and the other Mary and Salome, and they could have asked them about everything they saw and experienced. The Holy Spirit guided the gospel writers to do exactly this. And so today, we know their story. And as they explained what happened on that Sunday morning, they would have confirmed that the young man that they met in the tomb was correct when he revealed that he knew that they had gone to the tomb to anoint a man named Jesus of Nazareth who had been crucified. This shows us what they thought about their Lord as they were coming up to the tomb. Jesus is the name his father and his mother had given to him when he was born in Bethlehem. Nazareth was the town where Jesus grew up from a boy to a man, and perhaps Mary and Salome even remember seeing him in his hometown with his parents, Mary and Joseph. The Holy Spirit shows us that these women were looking for the young man that they remember. The man who had been so powerful and so loving, Jesus, who had grown up in Nazareth. Mark also shows us that they were focused on the fact that he was the crucified one. As they walked to the tomb, they were, they were thinking he had been crucified. This man, Jesus of Nazareth, had been crucified. And they had been able to use that Sabbath day's rest to reflect on all that had happened, on how he had come into Jerusalem on the colt to, to the cheers of the people. And a week later, he was jeered by Jews and Romans alike as a crucified leader of an insurrection. And now everybody was afraid to call Jesus their Lord. Peter had denied him vehemently, just as Jesus said he would. You can read about that in the end of Mark 14. And even after he had been crucified and buried, his disciples had been so afraid that they, they had scattered just as Jesus had predicted in the verses we read in Mark 14. It was hard not to feel pity for Jesus of Nazareth. He was so young. They were certain it was all over for him. The women who had cared for him during his life were now going to carry, care for him in his burial. They had purchased some spices they made their way to the place of the dead to try and find the man who had claimed to be their Savior and their Messiah. No one discussed the promise of Jesus that after three days he would rise from the dead. They could only think about the stone that was in front of the tomb. 
Mark mentions specifically that it was a, a large stone. He probably means to say that it was larger than the average stone that was found in, in front of the tombs. And we are reminded that according to prophecy, Isaiah 53, Jesus was buried in the tomb of a rich man. And it's possible then that the stone may have been as large as four feet in diameter. And whether it needed to be rolled horizontally to one side of the grave, or even perhaps pushed back up an incline away from the entrance to the burial chamber, it would have been a lot of work. And the women were, were thinking about this stone, and they were discussing who would roll it away from the entrance of the tomb. They believed that Jesus was still sealed up inside. Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified one, defeated by death. They were not ready physically, emotionally, or spiritually for the sight they saw when they lifted up their eyes as they drew near to the tomb. Mark tells us in verse 4, And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. That is, the Lord's revelation, the first sign of the good news. You see, throughout history from the beginning in Genesis all the way to, to Revelation, the Lord is revealing more and more. It's called the history of Revelation. And the unfolding history of salvation and God's work in the world brings us now to a large stone that had been rolled away from the entrance of Jesus' tomb. After the Lord Jesus had risen from the dead, God wanted everyone to know about the resurrection. So he opened the door so that everybody could see inside the tomb. And while the women were on their way to the tomb, Matthew tells us in Matthew 28 that, that a mighty angel came down from heaven to roll the stone away. Mark makes it clear that they knew that it was Jesus' tomb, not only because they had seen where he had been laid, as we read at the end of Mark 15, but also he mentions specifically that the sun had risen. He wants us to be sure that these women went to the correct tomb, and getting there, they saw the stone was rolled away. And so they enter into Jesus' tomb that Easter Sunday morning. And Mark tells us that the women saw a young man dressed in white sitting on the right side. And although the definition of young man is debated, since it is somewhat subjective, it's not likely that this man was over 30 years old. The white clothes he was wearing would have shone in the darkness as the light of the sun came through the opening of the tomb. The description fits with the descriptions of angels in other texts of Scripture. And in fact, the other Gospels call the young man that the women saw a special messenger from God, or an angel. Angel means messenger. God's messenger was in the place of honor in the tomb, at the right side of the burial spot of Jesus. And it's possible that it was an indication that he had been given authority from the risen Lord to speak on his behalf. The Lord gave his word, 
sent his messenger to explain the visible signs that the women were seeing around them. And God's messenger begins by reminding the women that although they might be alarmed, they did not need to be because everything was as it should be. What a wonderful God we have. When the women had forgotten what Jesus had told them about his death and about his resurrection, the Lord meets their unbelief not with a rebuke, but with words of comfort, with words of consolation. He says, do not be alarmed. The problem that you think you are seeing is not that something bad and unexpected has happened to your Lord and Savior, but the problem is actually with you. You are asking the wrong questions of God. Luke records that one woman even remembered the angel asked him, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You are desiring the wrong thing from him. You are looking for a crucified man, Jesus from Nazareth. But you will not find him here because everything has happened just as he said it would. The fact of the matter is that dead man you are looking for has risen. He is not here. You will not be able to anoint him today. And the impact of that message is immense for all eternity. You see, brothers and sisters, we worship a living Lord. A Lord who has conquered death and sin and Satan. And the Lord's message along with, with what he showed to the woman, the message is, don't keep him in the grave. Do not keep Jesus Christ on the cross. Do not see him as the weak and the broken Galilean anymore. That was a temporary state of being for him. As the Lord's messenger invited the women to see the place where he lay, he also calls us to look inside, to think about the consequences of having a living Savior his payment has been received. It is finished. It is done. The hard work is over. There is no punishment left for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Think about the consequences, the empty grave. The Lord Jesus was victorious. It was time for the world to know. The angel tells the women that the risen Lord Jesus Christ was going ahead of the disciples to Galilee just as he said. That's what we read in Mark 14, 26 to 31. That's where he said it. He announced his plan to the disciples. He said that in the fulfillment of prophecy in Zechariah, all the disciples would flee away from him. And the Lord Jesus knew that they were planning to, to run away from Jerusalem, run away from all that had happened, and to go to Galilee. So he told them, I'm going to go ahead of you. I'll beat you there. We'll gather again together. 
And then I'll send you out as eyewitnesses of my resurrection in obedience to the Great Commission. And so the women were told to go and, and tell them that. In reaching out to his disciples, you'll notice that the angel mentions his disciples and Peter. In reaching out to his disciples and letting them know that he still wanted to meet with them, Jesus assured them that he would not allow their, their frightened scattering to hinder their relationship, to prevent them from serving as apostles. Their, their tendency to, to run away, he said, that's, that's not going to hinder my calling for you. Your sins have been paid for. And by specifically mentioning Peter, it was clear that God had seen Peter's tears after he denied Jesus Christ three times. It was clear that he had forgiven his sin, that he was eager to restore him to office, which we see that he does in John 21. The message for everyone was that they should not be alarmed, for the Lord Jesus is a loving Savior, for the sins of all who believe in Jesus Christ are certainly forgiven. This would have been a great comfort to the women who had gone to the tomb. Because when they looked back at their, that whole encounter, there was not a lot for them to be proud of. They had fled in fear. The account given in Mark is very emphatic that it had been a terrifying experience for the women who had gone to the tomb. Based on the construction of the tombs that were probably in use around the time of our Lord Jesus, it is likely that the women would have had to descend a little from the outside light into the dim light of an antechamber that was carved out of the rock before they passed through the smaller opening leading into the burial chamber. And as we follow their eyewitness description, our hearts can feel the, the trepidation of entering a tomb that was supposed to have been sealed, already wondering what was, what was in it. We can imagine, we can, we can feel the, the confusion and the doubt of seeing that the body was no longer in the cocoon of, of hardened linen cloths. The shock to see a young man who, who talked to them, who greeted them, the word that Mark uses to describe the women at that point emphasizes the strong emotions of, of confusion, of fear, of distress. It was all mixed into one in the darkness of that cave. We can read these words. They were alarmed by saying these women were freaking out. Although the messenger from God had given the word the women two orders, he had said, see the place where Jesus had laid, or where they laid Jesus. And secondly, he said, go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. It seems that these women paid more attention to the command, go, than anything else. And how they fled. Their bodies had been overcome with, with trembling and astonishment. They were shaking all over. The fight or flight response was leaning heavily on flight and they hurtled themselves away from the open tomb, away from the linen cloths, away from the angel, and they fled. It's striking that the story 
this group of frightened women is used by the Holy Spirit through all ages to describe for us some of the most important events on Resurrection Day. Since a, women, a woman's testimony was considered inferior among the Jews at that time, no one who wanted to fabricate a convincing lie would have employed them as the main witnesses. And if he had, he certainly would have ensured that the story between the Gospels was obviously consistent rather than just having different authors record several different details that were mentioned by different women, all true, of course. But if there is one thing that makes a hearer question the validity of a story, it is when we find out that the witnesses had been in a state of trembling and fear the whole time. When a group of frightened women, or, or, or men for that matter, when they come in to your gathering, and you can imagine this is what happened in Luke 24 as the disciples were there, and if they come in and they tell you, the stone has been rolled away from a tomb, and you were shaking and you were all nervous, but you went in anyways, and, and there was a man there and somebody else pipes out, no, no, there were two men, I, I, saw, I saw two men. And he had white clothes, and another goes, no, they were really white. They, they were dazzling white. I think he was an angel. And then he told us, continues the first woman, that, that Jesus had risen. And all the women say, yeah, he, he certainly said that, that Jesus had risen. And one adds, he even asked us why we were looking for the, the living among the dead. If that had happened to you, perhaps you too would have reacted like some of the disciples in Luke 24, verse 11, they thought it was an idle tale. And all this is very strong evidence that the author of Mark, and the author is with a capital A, it's the Holy Spirit, that he is certain that he is simply revealing the truth, what really happened. He's not worried about convincing anyone. This is not a story to sell. This is an announcement to be shared. The fear of the women make it very clear that all this is true. The author who is above everything, who told you this was going to happen already in the Old Testament hundreds of years before, he has orchestrated everything by his own hand and he wants you to know about it as well. Mark makes the point that the women said nothing to anyone. It's an emphatic negative. And he, and he words it this way to, to make it very clear that the women were not just afraid of the man they had met in the tomb, but they were also afraid of the consequences. They were afraid of the consequences of this, what they had seen for them and for their loved ones. What did it mean to be the first witnesses of the resurrection? Would they have to prove that they had not tampered with the grave, that they were not deserving of death at the hands of the Romans? Would the Jewish leaders be very angry with them for having the definitive proof that Jesus of Nazareth, whom they had crucified, truly was the Son of God and the long-awaited Messiah? 
they have the courage to share this message. It was an enormous responsibility to be the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. It still is an enormous responsibility to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is the only way to God, the only hope for all the world. And if this is the end of the Gospel, verse 8, Mark leaves us reflecting on the mystery and the awesomeness of the resurrection. Brothers and sisters, it is important to remember, to understand this feeling of trembling, of fear, of astonishment when we think of the resurrection and the consequences for us. The women's fear remind us that God has done amazing, an amazing and a powerful, a terrifying thing. When we sanitize and, and plastic wrap the work of Jesus Christ who conquered the grave, when we choose the Easter bunny over the open grave so that it is easier for us, well, we may think that the Christian faith is a quaint side hobby that gives employment to some religious people and maybe helps us feel better. And how wrong we would be. The Bible tells us that Easter morning is full of earthquakes, guards falling down dead, messengers from heaven, and an open tomb. Terrified women. This is the center of all history. Between the fall into sin and the return of Jesus Christ on the clouds, this is the turning point. The day of victory over death. Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God, is the Son of God. The one who had been crucified has risen from the dead. The women couldn't anoint him. It's the first thought of, of every first day of the week. Not only for the year, but, but every year of our lives. We, we think as Christians, Christ has risen. Hallelujah. We worship a holy and a righteous God who breaks through the mess of sin, who broke through the mess, the mess of sin and death and, and who conquers it like a warrior in battle. And when we forget this, we also miss out on the true joy, the joy in our heart of worshiping a God who loves us so much. We miss out on the fact that his resurrection really did happen and that it has real consequences in our own lives. The fear of the women also reminds us of the huge responsibility of knowing that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Your responsibility as believers in this risen Savior. Now you can't just stand idly by. Now you too must enter into the great commission that was delivered to the church in Galilee when Jesus met with his disciples. The resurrection calls the church to action. Jesus went ahead so that the mission of the disciples could continue with renewed vigor and vision. By the grace of God, we too may know him 
as our Lord and as our Savior. And His resurrection calls us to share the wonderful testimony of those first witnesses, the women, as they came to the tomb that Easter morning. We have wonderful words to say, don't we? We'll sing them together. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He has conquered sin and Satan. Death has lost its sting, for he is alive. He is our victorious head. We have triumphed forever. He has put all gloom to flight. Amen. We'll sing this together. Hymn 31. I invite you to stand if you're able to stand to sing hymn 31. <clears throat> 